0: Welcome to Fundraising Stories with Female Founders. I'm Julia Elliott-Brown, the founder and CEO of Enter the Arena. I'm a serial entrepreneur and an expert in raising investment and business growth. Our mission at Enter the Arena is to empower female founders to fly through pre-raising investment and onto the exponential growth of their business with investment expertise and business coaching. Here we share the stories of inspirational female founders who've raised investment to inspire you to do the same. You'll hear their honest accounts of what it was really like to secure funding, the highs, the lows and the challenges they experienced on the journey. And along the way, we'll discuss top tips for how you can be successful too. So today I'm speaking with Patricia Saloom, the co-founder and COO of Vloop. Now, Vloop is an online approval and payment service to help young people shop online. It's all about helping kids and teens shop online safely and independently whilst keeping their parents in the loop, so, and also protecting their data along the way, which is fantastic. So for kids, it's a bit like going shopping with your mum and dad, you're putting everything in your basket online, you send it to your mum or dad, and then they check what they're buying and pay in their own time. So it sounds like a fabulous service. So, Patricia originally comes from Brazil, where she spent about 10 years working in the charity and public sectors before moving to the UK, where she's been for 20 years now. Um, After gaining an MBA at Henley Business School, Patricia worked as a management consultant, working with large corporates, as well as SMEs and startups, before founding Loop in 2017 with her co-founder, Rhonda Bennett and patricia has so far raised around 300,000 pounds in equity finance for VLOOP, which is amazing so let's find out more about the business how patricia raised that money and all the things that she learned along the way so hi patricia welcome hello thanks julia thanks for having me thank you so much for coming thank you for our so I say coming, obviously we're doing this remotely, we're recording this in the, in the time of pandemic, um, all over Zoom as usual. And I'm sure we'll come on to talk a little bit more about what's been going on for you over the last few minutes and a minute. But before we do that, let's um, go back to the beginning of VLOOP. And um, I'm really intrigued to know how you and Randa came up with the idea for VLOOP back in, was it 2017?
1: Yes, about that. Actually, Rhonda came up with the idea because she's got a now 16-year-old, but at the time she was about 12, 13, and she started wanting to shop online and always coming up and saying, "Mom, I want this, can you pay? Bring in a laptop, can you pay, can you pay? And then, you know, you're always doing dinner or you're putting the other kid in bed and she's sort of pestering you follow you around the house. And, and Rhonda's worked in technology for... Um, many many years um, delivering projects and so she thought well why this why can't I solve this issue because it was becoming an issue because then the, the child gets annoyed she closes the laptop and there you go you haven't bought shoes or you haven't bought stationery for school so she thought okay let me talk to people and see if this is a problem so she went out and talked to the daughter's friends and her friends who had kids in the same age group and found out that that was an emerging problem because the internet was becoming sort of present in everyone's lives in more and more and people were struggling with that sort of issue because kids have the access but they couldn't finish their purchase in a way that the parents were happy with. So she started looking at how to build the the product herself and at a point she needed help she couldn't do it herself she was doing working full-time so she wrote on a facebook group local our local facebook group if anyone wanted to help um, at that time i had left my full-time job at hackney council and i was doing consultancy so i had two or three projects on the go and i said yes i can help you we met we discussed it and she said, okay, let's, let's try. So I started contracting for her and we got on really well. We kind of complemented each other's skills and that was a really important thing as well. And at some point I really liked the idea. I could see there was something there and I thought, okay, We, we started working more and more. And at one point we had to come up to the discussion of what's the future like and we said, okay, if we want to become partners, we had that discussion on how you know equity and, and all that, and did a, an agreement, a co-founders agreement, and then I became a co-founder of the business. That's how wow. the story. I so, love that. You know, I,
0: I I meet so many founders, particularly female founders, who would desperately love to have a, a business partner, and don't know where and how on earth to get to get one. Yeah, and. I have never, ever heard of somebody finding their their co-founder on a local Facebook group. (laughs) But how brilliant is that? And actually, that's often where you can find fabulous women who have had incredible corporate careers, who perhaps don't want that anymore, but have so much to bring. So that is a real golden uh, nugget that you've just yeah, given I mean, our listeners there Fantastic.
1: It's for me as well because i was trying to find work you know in these consultancies and linkedin and all that and then i found work in a local facebook group and i was like i love it okay. fabulous <laughs> and so and did you
0: did you have kids yourself at the time then when when you yeah my met.
1: son was two at the time so he actually came to our first meeting
0: Oh brilliant I love um, it. But of course you you hadn't experienced the problem yourself at that point. I presume no, your son no. wasn't shopping online age 2. He was too young <laughs> at
1: the time. Yeah, but yeah. Once I started working with her, I started then doing research as well, um, primary and secondary, you know, looking at Mintel reports. Once you start looking at Mintel reports, even at, a few years ago Mintel already was picking that up. Mm-hmm. in very small nuggets. So when you start reading the reports, and I started doing that to get some stats for our pitch deck and, you know, to build up our knowledge base, you see that Mintel was starting to pick that up in small bits. And then as the years came that they start to bring it up more and more. So that sort of validated what we were hearing from parents, which I thought was really, you know, interesting and also, it gives you that comfort, more confidence that it's not just you, that that has been picked up in different places. So that was, yeah, yeah very good.
0: So that, that rigour of researching the idea and, and getting feedback from the market really early on sounds like it was very helpful. Do you think that your, your sort of extensive background working in corporates was very helpful at that, that start point?
1: Um, it's... I think to, to that extent, yes, because during the, the consultancy work that I did, um, you know, one of them was for one of the big four supermarkets and you know, the, the amount of data and evidence we have to give them to then validate what you're advising them to do, it just makes that, puts you in that mindset of, actually, I can't just say this is what I think is the best, but I have to give evidence of why. And that needs to make sense so that people will then have confidence in what you tell them. So, yeah, that was, I think that's the, the main one actually the rigor of the evidence that you provide.
0: Yes, I mean, I, and we'll come on to investment later, but that's certainly something that investors love to see. <laughs> so, let, let's talk about funding. Um, so, at the beginning, then, I mean, did you, did you guys need? a lot of funding to get things started or, you know, and how did you, how did you fund it in the the early days? Okay.
1: Well, it was, it was bootstrapped the early days. Um, We, we tried, once we started working together very early on, we tried to get some funding before the product was ready. And very quickly we realized that wouldn't happen before we had anything to show people. It just, it, it wasn't going anywhere. So we made a decision that we would work and fund the build of the, the product.
0: Okay. So that's so how me, we did
1: it. Let me stop you
0: there because I'm intrigued to know how you, what did you do before you realized quite quickly that you weren't going to be able to get other people to fund you at that really early stage?
1: Um, it was Literally talking to people, applying, calling investors, calling Angel Networks, making application forms online. And the response was always the same. This is too early. We we need to see a product. Yeah. But it was literally hitting us in the face. Yeah. <laughs> no one no one would talk to us.
0: Okay. I think that's a really, really good point. And it's and it's very, very rare that you that anybody gets professional investment at that very, very early stage. So actually yeah. you learn the hard way by going out and trying to do it and finding yeah. that out. But that's, again, something people can take away is that it's, there's actually no point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, I, and again, that's right. We, we wasted a bit of time, mm-hmm. you know, at least I would say maybe even a few months, sort of kind of trying, coming and, and going, researching. And at the end, we had to realise that actually, no, this is not going to go yeah. anywhere. And so I you carried on... You carried on working
0: then to to fund
1: it. So what we did was, um, Rhonda was always working full time. So she had her part coming from her job Mm -hmm. and I was consulting on a more ad hoc basis. um, So doing smaller projects. So I had more time to put into the business whilst she had more you know she had a, a contract that was more consistent than mine so that that's how we did it it was working i, I still did my part-time projects um but i put more time into growing v-loop mm-hmm. and we sort of merged the money and the time into a balance that worked for us so we we bootstrapped for the first oh my gosh i don't know i'm terrible with time but yeah <laughs> months.
0: it probably felt like a long time at the time yeah.
1: Yeah, it well, we did. It felt like a long, long time because yeah. you know the, the, even the time I was giving to VLOOP, I had to fund it myself because I wasn't earning and I had nursery to pay for know, and, and all the bills, of course, because you still live. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's how we did it. We bootstrapped yeah. by working and balancing our time.
0: Brilliant. Tough at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and so how far did you manage to get then at that kind of boot, in that bootstrapping phase, did you get yourself um, a product
1: to yeah. show people? So we, we built the, the first system, the Minimum Viable Product, mm-hmm. uh, fully functioning, and we integrated with three retailers. So we had three initial clients as well. So that was, we thought, this is what we need to be able to then raise funds, we need to have the product, and let's give it that extra step of having some customers as well to put us okay. in a
0: position. So you had a working product, and you had some early customers as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And so, to, to customers, just so I understand how it works, you
1: who pays you? Is it the customer? Is it the retailer? How does it's the it work, retailer. I'm so sure? the way we work is we integrate to the. Retailer checkout, so it's like a PayPal button on the retailer checkout. So the retailer pays us when a transaction is done. Okay. And it's completely free for the families, for the kids and, and, and parents, because that's something we wanted to do. Because we're parents and we know how expensive it is, and we just want to be an enabler mm. of that transaction happening. But is the retailer that is our customer? So focusing on, I guess, those
0: retailers that are appropriate for children yeah. to be buying from. Okay, fantastic. So you've got a product, you've got some customers, and did you have um, parents and children using the product as well at that point?
1: Yeah, we did a, a small amount, but we mm-hmm. did have.
0: Okay, fantastic.
1: hundred. Okay,
0: good. So some early... Some early signs of, of of traction. Yeah. So at that point, you then decided to go out and get some funding. Yeah. So tell us, tell us, tell us all about that. This sec- second kind of go at going out and getting funding.
1: Yeah. It's um interesting. So what we decided at that point, we quit our jobs completely. All the jobs. I finished all my contracts. Run the finisher contract, and we thought, okay, we're gonna give this a proper go now that we have the the product ready but we still needed some money because we thought okay well we couldn't we prepared ourselves to be able to live for like six months without salary and then we thought but we still need you know you still need to pay you know you have hosting you have um all your tech that you need to support your day-to-day work we still need to pay developers to keep the product moving So we thought, okay, let's see who on our family and friends has some spare (laughs) cash. And we are, we're both immigrants. So we we did not grow up in this country. So our network, our family network is not here. And our friend, to an extent, our university friend network is also not here. So it was kind of, and we're not rich. (laughs) (laughs) We, we can't just knock on our parents door and say can can I have you know twenty thousand or but we talked to a few people when we managed to get one of our friends and one family to um, put in five k each so we had ten k to run the business, so we're not being paid, but we had we could pay developers we could pay our tech and um, things that we needed to keep the business running so that was the first one, and we also thought that was important because. For investors, that gives them a little bit more confidence. You know, if your family and friends feel like they can put their money in, it gives them that little bit more confidence. So even if it's not much, I mean, for for the people that invested, that is money for them. It's not, you know, it still gives that confidence. So that's what we did.
0: And how how did you feel going to your friends and family? With that opportunity, did it? Did
1: very it feel comfortable? Did It was it all right. No, not comfortable at all. Very, very nervous. Very. I, I, yeah. It was, it was strange. But the the people who did put in, they were very. They they were very confident. They wanted to, and they were happy to do it. So they both knew us very well. One is from on the side one is from my side they people that know us as people very well so they were confident that you know we we would in a way make a success of it or at least that we would give everything to make that work
0: yeah so they they know you they trust you that's the most important thing isn't it yeah and did you to to get their money on board even though it was a small amount what did you have to do did you did you have a a pitch deck that you took them through or financials you took them through all of that stuff?
1: Yeah, we had a pitch deck. Um, One of them helped us practice for pitches. So he knew, he sat through our pitches. He knew very well what Mm -hmm. he was getting himself into. He was one of our feedback people. Um, So yes, we did. We did a deck for them, especially um, and gave them some financials. And then what we did once they agreed was we did well, we drew up a contract. So we do have a, share, we had a shareholders agreement with them, even though it was, I did it myself, mm. but it was kind of, we wanted to make it formal. So they had to sign a contract and then we issue their shares. Everything is you know, as if it was any other investor.
0: I mean, that's, they're coming on super, super early, which is incredible. And if they're there with you for the journey, they should absolutely get the returns that they deserve for back yeah. in there really early. So Definitely. good that you got it all sorted. So I can't imagine that the ten thousand pounds got you that far. Yeah. <laughs> so it can't have been too long before you were then going out to speak to kind of other types of investors. So yeah. what was what was your thinking at that time?
1: Well, we we had given ourselves six months to raise funds, so we literally poured ourselves into fundraising so it was getting a list of investors to go after that was the first um, sort of task that we had so we came up with that list and we literally just started going after those people and again that comes with the, the network situation we didn't and we never worked in startups or in that kind of industry we we literally knew nobody so it was as as basic as making the list and calling people or emailing people and saying you know how do we send a pitch do we send you an email pitch and then we got into an, an accelerator as well that was interesting um it helped us you know, start building that network and meeting people and knowing people. What was, um, the, uh, what was the accelerator that you were part of? It's called the Accelerator Academy. Okay. And also during, when I started working with the you know, before I was a business partner, I started going to every event that I could um, in terms of fundraising and just even, building tech products and marketing. I was going to these things for myself to start learning how those things work. And then that's how we started building our network, literally from nothing to then talking to people and getting to know people. So by that time we had a bit of a list of investors that we wanted to approach from people that we met and people that we knew about. And we went out with our pitch deck. (laughs) (laughs) did you
0: you get a good response to your outreach with investors
1: um we did it was it was definitely better than the first time because people now wanted to talk to us they wanted to hear what we were doing that was the main difference it's like oh okay you've you've built it you've got three customers you've got some traction okay let's have a conversation Okay. So it was definitely different, for sure, than the first time. It mm-hmm. was, uh, we had, we started having conversations with investors, um, getting responses, and, you know, it, it did feel, it felt really good, and we were lucky, and that's a funny story, that <laughs> We got lucky and then one, one person said, yes, I like it. I want to fund you. That this was two no, three months after we started.
0: Okay, so three months in. That must yeah. have felt, I mean, I, I remember that feeling when I had my first investor who said, we're in. I mean, I can't, it's really hard to describe that feeling. It's <laughs> that
1: kind of, yes, like somebody else gets this. They believe in me. But wow. okay, they went, yes, <laughs> we're let's do due diligence. And we're like, yes, got all <laughs> due diligence, you know, and a, as yeah. women and as, I mean, I worked in the public sector a lot, so I, I record everything. I've got that mindset organized, you know, and I, we had a lot of the due diligence already half there. It, it didn't take long. Everything in the file was sent it and discussions here, discussions there, agreed, valuation, agreed the amount and then then it was about six weeks in and they came back to us and said "Um, I'm really sorry we talked to our investment board and they don't think they they don't want to invest (gasps) and that was absolutely crushing I remember Mm -hmm. to the day very clearly the walk that we took after that phone call me and Ronda went for a walk in the park and I remember that feeling of that walk, just like, okay, this is it. So three weeks in, that was another six weeks. That we were nearly five months into our six-month time frame that we gave ourselves to do this. And the reason they gave was a very... I find it a very strange reason, but basically they said they think the big boys like PayPal and Google will come and do this very quickly, and they will crush you. And we've heard that that a few times, actually. And we think, okay, if everyone thinks that way, no one is going to do anything, because Google, Facebook, PayPal, I don't know who else, they can do anything, can't they? They've got all the developers in the world, they've got all the money in the world, they can do anything, so... What is the point of starting? And so that was um, that was awful. That and did really? You... I really felt like that was it for us. We... Uh, I bet.
0: And had you, you'd really put all your hopes on this this we particular did. investor.
1: So that's one thing that I learned from yeah. that experience: always have mm. a plan B. Yes. Always have a always plan have B. a plan B.
0: Yes, I've learned that lesson the hard way as well.
1: <laughs> because you, you ne- it's you, you never
0: have the money until it's actually in the bank. The bank. That's the thing. Yes.
1: That is that is so true. Until it's you know in the bank, they can pull out, and mm. and that was a hard lesson to learn. Um, so we we pulled ourselves together. You know, it t- it took a few days. We had some we, two or three days of really feeling like this is. what what are we doing are we doing the right thing and and then we pulled ourselves together and thought yes we are let's give another push (laughs) can can we can we push another extend our our time from six months to eight months nine months Mm. so you know we had the family talks and yes we can so we went back and started again started again talking to all the people that wanted to talk to us Um, we started seeing an interesting traction as well with um, angel groups Mm -hmm. because initially the angel groups didn't want to talk to us. But now we came back with the product. They started inviting us to pitch, which was really, really great because we wanted to get into angel groups um, Mm. to try to bring more people in in terms of expertise as well, bringing different people to help us grow the business. And then we did an application to one uh, early stage fund, actually, well, many, but then two of them, we went for the first meeting and then we went for the second meeting with both of them. They started asking, one of them was very financial focused. He started asking me for all these breakdowns and I do all the projections. Breakdown of this and what what if this happens and how much, you know, very detailed financials um, that... the time I didn't know they were a lot of, they are, I don't even know how to explain it, but they are the most realistic fantasy. You know, you try to make Mm. fantasy realistic with all the evidence that you have to show that you can get there where you are wanting to get because there's all this evidence that the, the circumstances will allow you to get there. And then the other one was very much about us, so we felt the different approaches from the, the two funds, they were very different That what they mm. focused one, on. One is a lot more about us. And I, I may say this now, I was uh, six months pregnant at that time. So.
0: <laughs> oh, good for you. Yeah. And how did, that, how did that go down?
1: I used to turn up and feel very awkward. And, <laughs> but we always addressed it. We addressed it very
0: quickly. Well, you, can't, you can't really hide it when you're six months pregnant, right? No, There's no... no. <laughs> There's no disguising that.
1: <laughs> and we were like, okay, we know there's an elephant in the room. Let's talk about the baby. You know, we've got a plan. <laughs> Patricia's going to do this and she's going to take two months. Well, I think at the time we were saying three months off and then come back part time. And that way we felt very easy after that, con- that conversation addressing the issue. And I... I didn't feel both of those funds, which were the people that we moved on, all the others kind of left behind. They, I don't think they, they were bothered about that. One of them didn't want me to present on my own. <laughs> there was a, a circumstance that I may have to present to their board of investors on my own, and he said, actually, I would rather have both of you. <laughs> okay. And I felt that was the reason because they will only see the pregnant one and the pregnant one might be away, so they need to see the other one to make sure that (laughs) they both can deliver, at least one of them. (laughs) They didn't say that, but I felt that was the case, Um, which I I, I thought uh, it's fair enough. They just wanted to see the two people that will be there.
0: Yeah. And also they, they you know, they, they want to see how you two operate together because yeah. your relationship as co-founders is so important. Yeah, So important for them to see that. So, yeah.
1: So that was it. The other, the other fund yeah. was more, a lot more about us and we sat with them for four hours. We had a four hour meeting with them. Um, we talked about every single corner of the business every angle every question and and it was interesting because in that meeting they really started asking questions about what could be in the future and they started having these ideas to help us so it was really much more about who we were and who and what the business could be Mm -hmm. and that was a really really interesting um. and then we ended up with two offers from both um, very similar offers very very similar um
0: and both both offers for the full amount that you were looking for, yeah okay, yeah. so what did you do I mean what's a great position to be in? Yeah. So two offers quite similar yeah to tell us what you did
1: so we we had a, a gut feeling that the the people who were the more interested in us as people would be the best fit for the business for for a couple of reasons, one because they really. We really had a good report with them. You know, we, we liked them as people. And also one of them is, has a retail background. So that would be very helpful as the other fund didn't have that or didn't have anything concrete to show us. And we just felt they got the business and they got us. Mm. And in the end, their offer was slightly less beneficial to us but that was compensated by the fact that we thought they would add a lot more value to Mm. to the business. And and we did we did negotiate a lot as well. We um we were very in the in the beginning we were very fearful of negotiating on the valuation. And then we spoke to some friends and bankers and they were like well look I'll tell you what if it was the other way around they would be squeezing you to the last (laughs) drop. do not feel like that just push it and get as much as you can you know it's your business you put your life your last year of funding this business and you know doing all the compromises you have to do just just squeeze it they will tell you when when you can't go any further (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) good for you I'm so pleased that you did that and because we as do. women, we, should, we shouldn't undervalue ourselves. And it's very yeah. easy to think, oh, I've got to take this deal because otherwise, you know, but you've proved otherwise. Yeah. and I mean, and what we you knew we had
1: that, to take more time. Yeah. And we thought, but we, ne- we have to get the best deal for ourselves because after that, we're going to be kicking ourselves if we take something that we find out later, we could have I have a better deal for the, not just for us, but for the business that we're building and we, we want to grow. So we pushed it hard and, and we were always, and I have to say, I was always very nervous. Like, oh my God, are we sure we want to do that? What if they just walk away? And <laughs> but um, we did it in a very nice way when we explained and every time we had an explanation that made sense. And in the end, we got to an agreement that we, we were happy with and they were happy with. Um, but it was better than initially so yeah. that's another thing I learned even if I mean I was so scared but you had to get <laughs> over the fear and just do it, do it because do. no one else is going to do it for you exactly
0: nobody else is yeah. and there's so many I mean when you're looking at that deal I mean, you've already talked about the fact that it's it's not always the what on paper looks like the best deal there's there's lots of other factors that come into it about rapport with investors about that gut feel you get which is actually based on all your years of experience it's not magic it's intuition but it's and it but and and when you're negotiating your deal valuation but there are other things in your deal beyond valuation aren't there i mean what can you remember other things that you were discussing in the deal that that you Um, wanted to negotiate on For example, book, was, board seats or um, any other the, kind of terms of the deal?
1: Boards, The board seat was one of the sort of non-negotiables. They would have a board seat. Mm-hmm. But what we were happy with was that the person who was going to take that seat was the one we wanted. So that was a very easy one because um, he adds value. And that was the other thing. We knew he was going to add value. And that was... On the balance between the two deals as i said that was a very important one because on the other one we wouldn't they would they didn't want a board seat actually
0: Mm.
1: so in a way the board seat was a comfort because we knew we were going to have someone there that would be sitting in that meeting talking to us and discussing the things and giving us feedback which is very important to me as an early business i think having Mm. that sounding board um so we thought, oh, actually, that's that's good. Let's let, yeah. let him have the seat. And so we did negotiate on that one. We were quite happy with that. There, there were some things. And again, I'll have to be honest here. We were negotiating the contract the the, the two days after my baby was born.
0: Oh my God! <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> you
1: A lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was it's all a bit of a blur in my head, but
0: yes I can there, there were
1: things i think the the main thing that I do remember was do we take a deal that gives us maybe one percent more holding on to more an, an extra one percent, mm. or do we give away this one percent for a person that we are pretty sure will add value, so it was that kind of. What mm. else do they bring mm. apart from the money? And that was the main consideration for us. Yeah. And after we had been through what we had been with that previous investor, we, were, we really wanted someone that we could have a relationship with that could come in and talk to us and mm. challenge us and even say things like, well, maybe you're not doing this very well. Do this. <laughs> <laughs> which, which he has done. Um, mm. He has come and said, you know, guys, you need to pull yourselves on this particular area and you know, push a bit harder and go and do what you have to do because there will be there will be hard conversations There will always be hard conversations things will not always go well and again we've had that situation where he has you know, come and said things that we didn't like yeah. <laughs> the relationship in that in that situation the relationship you've built is very important I think because then you were able to take that feedback and make it positive and then and go and work and do what you know is the right thing for the business. Mm-hmm. So those so considerations what, we had early on.
0: Yeah. What was more painful? Uh, the childbirth or the getting your round done?
1: <laughs> oh god, that was close. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but both of those things, it's like years later you're like you don't really remember the pain no, because you lock exactly. it out. <laughs> And like, and like with childbirth, we often go on to have more children because we forget yes, about the pain. Exactly.
1: And, and you went
0: on to raise raise more money, didn't you? Yeah. So yeah. was that from your existing investor, or did you bring in some new investors? No.
1: So them? then we we had to go out again um, because our runway, and it, and that's another learning, you know. From I think one of your questions was what you do differently. Um, mm. I would maybe have raise or keep raising and not stop raising because we stopped for a bit to get to give a push on the business i think if i did that again i would not have stopped raising Mm. i would have kept going because then we had to stop the business well stop in a way but we had to focus on on fundraising again because our Mm. runway wasn't very long i mean it's Um, an
0: an interesting choice isn't it that entrepreneurs have to make do i do do i raise more And then cut that round off and spend 12, 18 months focusing on the business and then go back into fundraising. Or or do I do more of a continual fundraise? And I think more and more people are doing continual fundraisers. Now they're raising smaller amounts more often or doing rolling closes. So because raising investment is such a integral part of the job of being a, a high growth entrepreneur, that actually, if you can make it just one of the things that you're constantly doing, it, it, it possibly can feel a bit less painful.
1: Yeah. And I don't I, know.
0: I, Rather I, than the, the kind of full-on, full off, on, off approach. Exactly.
1: And mm. we didn't know that. What after, on the second time when we started again, someone said to us, you know, don't do a round, just race as you yes. go. And I was like, is that a thing? If I knew that before, <laughs> on the first time, I would just kept going because, you know, yeah. we had some leads that were not here or there, maybe we could have pushed them a bit more. Yeah. Doesn't so, suit I,
0: everybody to be doing that, but, um, yeah. For
1: some. Mm. So that's one, one learning. I, mm. I wish we had sort of kept going, but then we started again and he, the the second part wasn't from our current investor. Um, okay. we started looking, you know, we, we wanted to bring someone else in, um, And we wanted to bring a strategic investor that had had a a hand on the family sort of market, the family technology area. Mm. Um, And that's what we were looking for. We wanted that money to come from someone that could bring us the family side, because it's very expensive to do consumer marketing. And we with the the amount we had we we could just scratch the surface so we wanted someone to bring that as an investor bring the money and bring us the opportunity to reach that market um, quickly and less costly so we went out and again you know the whole network thing I remember thinking about when I you know when I started I don't know anybody I don't know anybody that has money to give it to I mean we started again we we reached out again to VC's angel networks and we got really this this second time around we got really good traction with angel networks we pitched some really great networks and we got angels interested so we had um, a few at that time we had a few angels with you know smaller amounts but they were adding up um, some really good people, great people that we liked and we wanted to work with. And then we hit a strategic investor or, or potential, actually, potential mm-hmm. they're not an investor yet. We've, and again, that's a very funny story. It's all about that gut instinct. I was, there was a day I was at this workshop. Someone invited me and I, was, I didn't sleep. You know, for I don't know I, I didn't have any sleep for months I was feeling really awful that day I was lying in the couch in the office there's a couch I'm lying there half asleep and Randa's like why don't you go home and I'm like no I have to go to this workshop why I'm like I just have to go there was something in my head just saying you have to go to this thing and I could hardly walk I was that tired that day and I turned up in this workshop didn't say anything just sat there and at the end, I talked to one person who introduced us to another person who introduced us to another person who turns out can be a strategic investor. Wow. So I don't know what to say to that, but I just pushed <laughs> myself that day um, and I turned up there and it was an opportunity. And that's what sometimes I think if you don't have a network, because I think for female founders, it's a very big thing you don't you know if coming from another country don't have that network you don't have people that can just hand you money they you know can support you and and those opportunities these workshops and the people you talk to they are very great opportunities and even if they t- don't turn up at something concrete straight away it kind of it's a ripple effect it will slowly build up as people get to know you so we took, we, we, we went and met this person. Um, they were, the team was very friendly. We had a really great chat. They get our product 100%. There wasn't, you know, it was easy. To, the conversation was easy. It just flowed. And they said, look, I can't invest now for reasons they had, but I will introduce you to some people. And they introduced us and then we got an angel invest. One investor who invested what we needed from that, and and it was, uh, and I was like, yeah, oh, okay, I, you know, I was a bit shocked at the time, like, oh, you're gonna invest this? Okay, <laughs> great, well, let's do it. <laughs> so it's it. At The face of it, it looks like it was easy, but it wasn't easy because it took so many talks, talking to so when many you find
0: people. When you find that right person, it is easy, isn't it? Because the fit <laughs> yeah. is obvious, but it's all the work that you do to get to that point. And this, this point you make about networking goes throughout your life as an entrepreneur, and that it's not something you should do just because you're fundraising. Yeah. It's always your network will bring you back so much. And then, when you are ready to fundraise, you use that network. I mean, it's like six degrees of separation, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the Kevin Bacon theory. <laughs> because there's always someone who can lead you to someone, and before you know it, you found that you found the prince after kissing all those frogs. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Amazing.
1: Um, yeah, and and I, thinking back, you know, when I started, I always felt really strange it's like it looks like everyone else just gets oh i know somebody and they gave i I had so many people so many men funny enough you know middle-aged white men saying oh you you raised 50 grand like that just put on a powerpoint and 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 they really don't realize that there are some people in the world that do not know a person that can hand you 50 grand yeah We don't know anyone that can handle 50 grand.
0: I mean, talk about, talk about white male privilege. (laughs) And and this is the, this is the problem though, I think, I don't know if you agree, but most of the people in the industry who do have that kind of white male privilege have no understanding of what it's like to come from a place like you've come from and get, get there. It's because you just don't, it's all stacked against you. You have to work. Much, much harder to get there. You can get there. Yes. But you've got absolutely. to work, you've got to work around all those challenges. Yeah. It's not easy, is it?
1: And I, get, I used to get really angry and say to run the, how dare he say that? You know, how dare? Mm. And at the end, I thought, actually, they don't understand because that's their know. world. They would turn around and say to a friend of their dad, you know, can I invest 50 grand on me? And, and they will do it because yeah. that's, that's what their life is like. And they have no concept of, but it's not like that for everybody.
0: So how do we so how do you think we can make the world better for for female founders and people from underrepresented backgrounds, you know, to go out and get that investment?
1: I I, I think the the main thing which is the most challenge is that mindset shift it is is for the people who have the means and the resources to be open minded and understand that Actually, it's not that we didn't want to get our family and friends to help us and give us two years of you know, paying all our bills, paying our childcare and let us build this thing so that you can invest when it's risk-free. We didn't have that. And it's not because we didn't want to. It's because literally we don't have that, net, that safety net behind us to be able to, to put that much time into it without anything back. So that mindset shift is the main thing. And I know it's complex and it will take time, but I believe if we talk about it, then those people will start to understand. And I, some, some of the times that, well, I didn't say anything because I just felt really awkward. And I think at the last one, we kind of laughed it off but said, oh yeah, I wish I had somebody. you know. So in a way, I don't, I, I don't know the right answer to this, but how can we start? Making them see that it's not everyone has the same life story and the same life opportunities Mm. that they had. And the other thing is the whole warm introduction situation again, how do you change that for people to start being able to reach the decision makers? And one of the things I found really interesting is this investor that we got our funds from, they do a competition. So you apply, and the two partners they review everyone's application. So they are the decision makers. They review the applications. It's not someone who, I mean, you know, doesn't have life story, life experience. Because we've had some very young people reviewing our deck, not even reading it. He, one of them, came mm-hmm. back and said, "Oh, thank you very much. It looks great. Come back to us when your product is working." We're like, mm-hmm. slide number nine gives <laughs> feedback from our customers retailers feedback from the people using the service how you know they They did not read the back. so they those two partners they review it and they go through that and they talk to everybody so it's an open competition um it's very interesting that they don't intend to have more women founders but they do have a, a good numbers out above average number of women. Yeah, winners. I think that's right. So they,
0: get, you know, they will win in the long run because they are seeing the opportunities for great businesses like yours that other investors will just miss. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally agree with you on the warm introductions thing. Yeah. I, mean, I think there was a stat in the Rose Review, which I was part of um, you know, putting together and supporting, that I think you're 12 times more likely to receive investment if you were introduced to the investor and that's it's so stacked against people who don't have the network yeah and it's Mm -hmm. that's that's a systemic problem i think that really needs to be broken but investors need to put in place new systems that do just allow their pipeline to apply in a much more neutral way and and to be able to review that pipeline in a neutral way so that they they strip out the bias it's easy to do, but people aren't doing yes. it. It drives me nuts.
1: Exactly. It's not hard to do. I think recently there was another mm. one. I think it's called Ada Ventures.
0: Yes. Um,
1: they, they have that as run well. Run by
0: Check Warner. She's yes. fabulous.
1: Exactly. They have an open yeah. um, application. Yes. And they respond yeah. as well. So well, They, they I absolutely think people- get the
0: diversity piece. They're doing a brilliant job.
1: So that's that's amazing. I think that's mm. the way it will start going, and it, the more those people come up, and the more different um, groups and funds and angel mm. networks and all that, the, the more it will change. But the other thing, they say, "Oh, we don't know you. You know, you don't know where you come from. We are very different people." I thought that four-hour meeting we had with those guys as well was a very interesting. Cause no- else has given us a four-hour meeting mm-hmm. you know it, it you get to know people you get a feeling for them as as a person you know you have jokes you talk about family You know. so i think that it, that gives you a lot more of an insight into the people sitting there if you give them yes, the time to talk if about you give it. them so the time if, if you don't know them okay let's say it's not a warm intro- introduction i don't know this person i don't know if i trust them well give them the time yeah. And try to find out a bit more about them. Yeah. You know, I don't know how realistic that is, but that's a way to get around it. It's not like yeah. there's no way around it. There is.
0: There is. It's just time and, and investment yeah. in, in the process.
1: And time and, and wanting to do it. Mm,
0: thank you. Really some great insights there, Patricia. Thank you. So what's next for Vloop? Uh, you've been doing a few, well, a new initiative during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so tell us about that and tell us what's, what's coming up for you guys.
1: Okay, so once the lockdown started, we're sitting at home thinking, oh my God, You know, retailers went a bit panicky, as everyone did. So it wasn't a good time for us to be selling VLOOP to retailers. And then we started helping around our streets and doing shopping for people. And really quickly, we realized that it was very awkward to exchange money with your neighbors when you do shopping for them because there's the whole virus contamination and then oh i don't have change i have to come back and then you have to exchange money again so we got you know we started thinking and we realized oh actually we we've got all the ingredients to get something going for this because it's all about safe payment safeguarding vulnerable people and getting payment done so we we now we have a network we contacted our network and we said oh we want to do this do you want to help so we got a few people involved we built this service in about three four weeks and we got it running so we have this iSettle card readers and the volunteers can take payment on the doorstep the payment comes to our system we process it we get the receipt going we check the receipts and then we pay the volunteer. So it's all into a walled garden where we can safeguard that person and make sure all the receipts are coming in. And also there's an audit trail. So for the organisations managing those volunteers, or even the mutual aid groups, which are you know, run by volunteers, they can have an audit trail as well, which is something they didn't have. So we got that going and then we applied for Innovate UK grant and we got a grant to develop um, the app that will have all the automated processes and built into it that's
0: incredible you what an incredible people. pivot I <laughs> absolutely love that I mean and so are those two are they sort of two separate kind of businesses that you will now take forward
1: uh, well it, it, yeah there's the two services within the V Loop umbrella but they are very separate and mm. very different services so now we've, we're building both and it's really exciting to get the grant because again it gives us a bit of a breather to then be able to develop this service um, in a way that we wouldn't have been able to without it so yeah it's been it's been exciting we have worked a lot during lockdown because we we wanted to get this going but it's been good it's been very very interesting
0: (laughs) Excellent. So two two great services that I'm sure will be a great success in the future. And I wish you all the best
1: for those. We're just assessing now what the next step will be in terms of fundraising. We're we're talking Mm. about fundraising. We just come to the point now that we're going to look further and and see what we need. Mm. um, What our priorities will be and how we're going to take this forward in terms of fundraising. So we haven't got that set up in stone yet.
0: Mm. but some planning some planning for (laughs) 2021 maybe
1: (laughs) fantastic well thank you
0: so much for sharing for sharing your journey on and how you raise the money so so many fantastic insights that have come out of that and um we'll we'll make sure that we hammer home some of those points to the listeners when we when we publish the show and and it's
1: as you said i think you said the right thing it's it's very hard we were gonna have faced more hurdles than other people but it can definitely be done is you know persistence and confidence in yourself which is something i've learned a lot i was you know i have a bad case of imposter syndrome as many women do and it's just you know putting that to a side and and going after it because it it does it does happen definitely fantastic well thank you so much patricia best of luck you're welcome thank you
0: Thanks for following fundraising stories with female founders. This content is all provided to you for free. So if you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe so you never miss another one. Enter the Arena has helped hundreds of female founders fly through pre and investment and onto the exponential growth of their business. Our firsthand experience, expert guidance, and proven programs help female founders unleash the Wonder Woman inside. To see if we can help you do the same, head over to www.enterthearena.co.uk. I'm Julia Elliott-Brown, and I look forward to talking with you soon.